All right. Welcome to today's book of the day. We're talking about this kind of ugly cover book about J.R. Simplot. I don't know if it's pronounced. I should know this probably before I do a talk on the book. It's either J.R. Simplot, if you're French, or Simplot. I'm going to call him Simplot. A Billion the Hard Way. Now, here's the thing. This is one of these billionaires most people have never heard of. Uh, I had vaguely heard of him. But, you know, it's amazing in history. You read history, it's like, how many people have come and gone, done immensely impactful things, yet nobody remembers them? Um, or very few people do. This guy should be remembered. Now, in some ways, he's a controversial guy. But for you, specifically today, there's like three or four points here that are of such immense value that I would say they would be worth almost any amount of money that you could pay for them. And this is a free video, so it's a pretty good deal. So here's, if you don't know, by the way, who he is, he's a, he basically made his money in agriculture. It's a great story from a little teeny kid, five, six, seven years old, his dad I think without knowing, started turning him into an entrepreneur, but he, his first business was he took lambs that uh, a farmer didn't want because they were too small and sickly. He took the little sheep and he would nurse them with a bottle, 26 sheep, and he sold them for $100. Now, this is a long time ago. This is like, I don't know, in early 1900s. He took that $100 then and he invested, there was this thing called, uh, what was it called? Well, I can't remember the name now. Oh, Scrum or something like that, where basically, actually I can look it up here. Teachers used to be paid, they didn't have, there wasn't enough money. <laughs> so teachers were paid in like this fake currency by the government or by the local school system. And he invested his $100 and invested into this, currency which ended up being worth way more and I think then he made a thousand dollars point being by the time this kid was in his early teens he like owned a he owned land and a farm he he let me see here on page 55 I like to keep my notes in the side what did he say what did he say here that was fun yeah seventy eight hundred dollars he had this is a teenager remember in the early 1900s that's like having a hundred grand or something now, how did he get there and how is this relevant to you? This is relevant both for you financially and nothing to do with finance. Page 34, I wrote down, most important thing in this book to me. Do not spend your taw. T-A-W. Taw is an old term. I don't know if you ever played marbles, you know? Those are like the marbles that you're allowed to use to hit the other marbles, I think. So, what he said is, Jack learned that you don't spend or lose your tall, for then you can't buy any more papers. He was at this time buying newspapers. He lived in Venice here in California. His dad moved all over. He said he was given a nickel. Think of this. Think of how far advanced this guy was. I don't know what I was doing when I was young, but I wasn't as smart as this guy. He's given a nickel. Instead of buying an ice cream cone, he bought two newspapers. He promptly converted them into the wherewithal to purchase a supply of more newspapers after selling the two. And he found himself on the street in the retail newspaper business. Competition with other boys and threats by streetwise hawkers caused him to seek a safer place. 
and oh, by the way, he's eight years old doing this. The residue of capital from this venture, Jack came to call his TAW, T-A-W. A nickel turned into two newspaper sales, turned into multiple newspaper sales, became the beginning capital that he ended up building. Well, this guy got so rich, at one point he used to fly around the United States looking for land to buy. He had a little airplane. And uh, one day he saw a farm that he wanted and he said, land the plane down there. So they landed down in the field. His pilots got out and he said, go ask how much they'll sell this farm. So they walked, it was like a half a mile. They walked, Jack, the guy in his book about the billionaire, he stayed in the plane and they came back to him and said, uh, sir, one problem, you already own this piece of land. He owned so much land, he could fly around for hours and still be on his own properties. And how did it start though? One nickel somebody gave him, which I'm sure you've received a nickel. I've received more than a nickel. But instead of being a consumer and buying an ice cream cone, which rust rots and depreciate, he bought two newspapers. T-A-W, your tall. So my question for you is, what is your investment tall? What is your amount of money that you will never spend, no matter what, because once you spend that, you're done with the game. You lose the game. See, most people don't realize that the game of life will include the need to make money, period. I can have a long conversation on why that is. It's not anything about capitalism or negative. It's just, it's the struggle for survival. It's rooted in the most primal uh, forces, which are the acquisition and competition over scarce resources, which in today's world, we just call it money. 10,000 years ago, before money, they called it something else. Native American tribes, what do you think they were fighting over? The same things as money. They didn't have greenbacks. They didn't have pounds and euros. They didn't have a little piece of paper, but they had other stuff. They used to fight over seashells. Really, they used seashells for money because they were, they were rare. Everybody throughout history is fighting for something. Animals fight over pieces of land. They fight over females to mate with. They fight over males to mate with. They, we're always in a competition. Um, even if you're not in comp competition with other humans, your competition's against bacteria inside your body that would love to kill you and take over if they could, but your immune system wins that battle. Uh, so your body is in competition. Your cells, red blood cells, white blood cells, they're in competition at every moment. Competition makes the world go around. So this guy said, the second you lose your investment nugget, for some of you that's a hundred bucks, for others of you that's a million dollars listening to this, you're out of the game, my friend. And you don't want to be out of the game. Out of the game out of the game is game over. So amazing piece of advice. Now, right after that, this is a great page. If you get the book. Page 34, he said the secret to advice, I mean the secret to success is get hold of something and hang on. Just hang on. If somebody wants it, hang on to it. It's worth as much to you as it is to anybody who wants it. I have to think in the world now where everybody's idea of a business is to make a business. I'm going to buy a piece of real estate. I'm going to flip it. I'm going to do it. One week later, I'm going to buy a stock and short sale. This guy had a completely different approach. Get a hold of something and hang on to it. And if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, they follow that strategy. Bill Gates gave up very little shares 
in Microsoft. He owned, I think, 60% of it, even at its peak. He may have sold uh, since then, but he got a hold of something and didn't didn't let go. And he says, uh, and again, that's the opposite of mentality that most people have. Warren Buffett has the same thing. He buys businesses that he would want to hold on to forever. You got to get good. We talked about this, getting good at one thing. But this guy was saying, I, I've heard this. This is a new member. I said, you got to create voices in your head. This is a voice. This Jack Simplot. I want, they even put it on the back of the book. Grab a hold to something and hang on. If you don't have something to grab a hold of, you better freak out and find something to grab a hold on. It could be an occupation. It could be a movement. It could be a charity. It could be a business. It could be an invention. It could be a piece of art. But grab hold of something and do not let go. Now, make sure you grab on to the right thing because if you grab on to the wrong thing, uh, you're in for some trouble. But have some investment. Don't spend all your cash so that you, when a good deal comes up, you have the money to buy. If you're an artist, if you're a farmer, if you're a actor, whatever, you're going to need some cash. Don't spend the taw and get a hold of something. Next thing in the book. I like to put my little summaries in the back of the book. Uh, he interesting thing here uh well i don't know if i want to talk about that that's really a bit i do I, this is not a super business talk some of you are actually in my business talks but this isn't this isn't for that um let me read this to you another thing that made him successful his success in life was to be able to pick people he could trust and who believe in his vision and execute them he was a delegator of course, he kept his eye on the ball. My question to you is, how good are you at roping in people? Like, you know, like the, the uh, what is it, Tom Sawyer stories? When you would get other people to paint the fence for him, right? And that Tom Sawyer? Yeah. Uh, how persuasive are you in making other people catch hold of your vision? Because we said, you know, this is the third thing. The first thing was... He understood, even from a young age, get cash, hold on to it enough to keep your investing. Number two, get a hold of a big picture vision in your life and don't be like a flipper. Don't be a short term. Oh, I'm going to move from this. I'm telling you, rich friends, poor friends, all my poor friends are literally always on to the next idea. He was the opposite of that. He stuck with things as long as he could. And there's, if you look at the exponential growth and compounding of success, it generally takes time. If you look at the graph, it starts out slow, starts out slow, but then eventually the curve just goes through the roof. And thirdly, you must be able to persuade and pass your vision on because you will not be able to execute. So your ability to impart your vision from your brain into someone else's brain uh, is beyond critical. It's almost, um, well, I wouldn't say it's deadly to not have this skill, but if you want to have a good life and you don't want to literally have stress through the roof. I know so many entrepreneurs specifically that are working 20 hours a day, 18 hours a day, and still feel like they're not catching up. You do not want that to be you. And to do that, you gotta be visionary. People catch hold of ideas. People say, Ty, what's the best way to hire people? Well, it's exactly what, you know, whatever Huckleberry Finn, Tom Sawyer, Mark Twain was talking about. You know, if you don't know the story, he made it seem so awesome to paint a fence that all these kids were like, we want to paint the fence. And then he walked away and they were doing all the work for him. 
it's not going to happen exactly like that because you wouldn't want to trick you wouldn't want people to working with you that are so stupid you could trick them right but there's a little bit of that the impartation of your vision it's like a handoff it's like hey and so some of you are introverts i was recently dealing with somebody and i was saying look man you can't use that introvert thing as a as a uh uh, what's the word? An excuse. You know, it's a scapegoat. It's like, well, I can't get anybody to do stuff for me because I'm an introvert. And I, no, no, it's not about introvert or extrovert. It's about successful or not successful. It's that simple. So for you, the something simple you could do, start doing more debate. We live in a culture that has been very, uh, I would say it's been weakened. Okay. I'll leave it at that. It's been weakened by this conception that anybody debating anybody is somehow politically incorrect or somehow being offensive. It's not offensive. Get yourself in positions where you are taking both sides of an argument. I posted on my wall on Facebook something I knew would be controversial. and It was an article by Harvard, a little research study that brain abnormalities came from smoking marijuana. Okay? Now, there's research on both sides. I know it's a very controversial. I don't even care because I don't smoke marijuana, but I know people on both sides of that. And I posted that app on the wall and just everyone came out. People who haven't commented on my wall forever are like, oh, this, this statistics are horrible. The research study wasn't done well. Blah, blah, blah. And then there's other people who are like, yeah, see, I told you you shouldn't do drugs. What I'd like you to do, this conversation today is not about drugs. It's about your ability to pass on your vision. So... Practice. Take both sides of the story. See if you can persuade a crowd. See if you can persuade. Next time you go out to dinner with friends, be like, hey, I want to tell you something. Why I believe, uh, why it seems like smoking marijuana is very bad for you. And then try to persuade. See if you can get that whole table to take on your vision. Then, a week later when you're at dinner, be like, guys, I want to make the case for why marijuana is great for you. And see if you can do that. Be okay with taking both sides of the controversy in ver what does it go in medio veritas the saying in the middle is the truth there is i was i was listening to will durant and he was talking about you have synthesis uh thesis antithesis and synthesis meaning one side of the story the other side of the story and the synthesis of all of them into something that resembles what we call truth if you can do that if you can convince people of random things, and I'll use this ethically, don't try to persuade people to do something that's bad for them, but I'm just saying, you get my point. Start activating the part of your brain that's persuasive. Don't be somebody who just, for example, uh, uh, just tries to use emotion. That's not enough to get people to take your side. Most people that I have a debate with, they try to use what I call force of will. You can't just use force of will because there's force of will on both sides. You can't convince me to be a liberal or a conservative by just vehemently telling me that you are one. That I know you're one. That doesn't prove anything. Does that make sense? I want you to be someone who goes, well, I want to pass on a vision of something. I need to practice. Remember, before the day comes, you got to practice. You cannot be standing at the free throw line playing professional basketball in the seventh game of the NBA championship and to hope right then you're going to be practiced. Practice is too late. Larry Bird used to 
But the great basketball player, he used to shoot, whatever, a thousand free throws. Eight in the morning. My friend, Adon Ravine, trains a lot of the pro basketball players. LeBron James, he trains. Uh, he trains uh, Durant, Kobe, Chris Paul. And he says, these guys are up when everybody else is sleeping. They're practicing. So everything you want is going to entail a good bit of practice, just like a pro. I was actually, my friend was uh, one of the Chicago Bulls. He's retired for 10 years. He still wakes up at 4 in the morning and works out. 4. It takes tremendous discipline. He never got out of that discipline. So for you, it's going to take a little discipline. And the, same, the main discipline is being in the habit of being persuasive and practicing that by taking both sides. If you can do that, uh, Charlie Monger here this is my favorite book. I put it up here, or one of my favorites. He says, I did not allow myself the luxury of taking any stand on anything important until I could argue both sides better than the person who was on the other side from me. Imagine how much better this world would be if every conservative uh, person conservative politically could also argue the liberal side better than the liberals and vice versa. Imagine if everybody that is fighting for, I mean, what are other controversies? Religions. What of all the people of different religions? What about all the diets? I read this book, Diet Cults. What if every vegan could argue the paleo side better than the pale, average paleo? And the better the average paleo person could argue the vegan's side of the story. Well, then you're going to get to truth. Thesis, antithesis. What's the antithesis of vegan? It's eating a lot of meat, like paleo. Thesis, antithesis. I bet you I know where the answer is. It's somewhere in the middle. It's in synthesis. Now, there's exceptions. There's times when the truth isn't in the middle, I know. Right? If you're killing puppies, right? There's probably no synthesis to those extremes. You probably shouldn't do that, right? But those big picture things that are important for your life. Imagine if every relationship, every marriage, maybe you come from a broken home. Maybe your mom and dad got divorced at some time. Imagine if your your mom and dad had understood what this guy understood. The ability to pass on your perspective gets people on board in a unit, in a team, and teams are very effective in getting stuff done. This guy owned like 15 or 20 companies at any given time. Land, he provided, uh, produced most of the food, or a lot of food that went to World War II. To the soldiers there, he provided uh, mining, all this kind of stuff, fertilizer, all this crazy stuff. And he did that by teamwork. How many marriages fall apart because people can only see their side of the story? They can't just go, oh, I get your side of the story. And let me bring you on board. Let's find the synthesis. This here is what will make you healthy, wealthy, happy, and help you find social connection, love, whatever that thing is that you want. So cool book. Pick it up. Study the great people of the world. You may disagree. He was an industrialist. Maybe you disagree. I'm sure he did some polluting things, this and that. But, you know, like I always say, uh... You and I do plenty of things wrong in our lives. Doesn't mean you, you can't learn from somebody like this. I always say sometimes I feel like it's a whole bunch of 450-pound people getting mad at people who weigh 460 pounds. 
like I have friends, I'll bring up like, who did I bring up the other day? I don't know, Donald Trump or something. And they were like, well, I don't want to be like Donald Trump because he, I don't know what they said. They had some weird thing. He, he doesn't even build the buildings anymore. He just syndicates his name. And I'm like, what does that mean? I like, are you discounting the things you can learn from somebody who got $9.2 billion in debt and then worked his way out of it and became one of the richest men in the world? Because I think I could learn a lot from that guy. Maybe you're so far ahead of me that you have nothing to learn, but I'm like, dude, I bet you do, and you're just delusional. You know, I was talking to somebody that I, I get people of all ages, right, 18 to 80, that, that uh, I interact with in these kind of talks you're talking about, and I, there was somebody who was like 19 years old, and I was like, well, I think you should consider doing something else, and they were like, ah, they were like aggressive to my piece of advice. Remember, it's their life. I was giving them free advice, so what I realized is when I was young, I've done many things wrong and a few things right with my life, and one of the things that I like that I did that I would, would do again if I could go back and be a teenager again is when I was 18 years old, when somebody like this came across, whether it be a book or in person, I was always like, eh, this is, I don't even want to use words. It's an attitude that I epitomize the attitude or I, I can explain it best by just using a tone of voice. If they said something to me, my tone was like, ah, ah, like interesting. Tell me more. I was like, oh, uh-huh, okay. Most people I run into now, when I give them advice or when they ask me advice or when they run into great advice from people like this, their attitude's like, uh-huh, uh, like they're standoffish. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, if you read this guy's and dissect his life, he made chemical fertilizers. I'm sure he polluted rivers. But you know what? You're probably watching this video right now on an iPhone, an iPad, or a PC, or, a, or an Apple computer. That polluted the world. Probably some child labor in Southeast Asia put together your, your computer. And you bought it. You participated in that. The reason your food and clothes are so cheap, the food is cheap often because... Farming practices are doing things that erode the environment. Trust me. I've been to 51 countries studying agriculture. Do you, do you uh, critique yourself with a fine-tuned comb and go, well, I'm probably participating in this pollution. I'm probably participating in this child labor. I'm probably participating. Like I said, most people get mad at me for bringing up these things. I'm like, you're like a 450-pound person trying to talk about how this guy weighs 440 pounds. You're fat too. He's fat. We're all human. Humans are not as moral as you think. They're very moral in certain things. But in other ways, I'm sure you could look at your own life. And my friend, I was, Tim, told me, he said, Ty, there's this saying, people judge themselves on intentions and others on actions. So like people will, uh, Adam Carolla talks about it called moral satiation. He says most people just talk about how they want every kid like, no child should be left behind. He has a funny podcast on this. No child should be left behind. But because they say that, they now feel like they actually did something to help the situation. People are like, yeah, I think the environment's great. I think global warming, should, but they don't do anything. So my main point here, it's not to criticize you because I'm as guilty of it. But I'm asking you, no matter what books I'm talking about, be like Abraham Lincoln. He said, every person I met, I learned something. Try to take something away. 
gave you three things that I learned. Hopefully they have some relevance to you. Don't spend all your money. It's that simple. Make sure you take some of your money. Open a savings account at the bank. It's easy. Put 10 bucks in there. Start with anything. This guy started with a nickel and it worked pretty well for him. Number two, uh, grab a hold of one thing and don't give up. Don't be short-term minded trying to flip real estate or like flip your business. Just like that works every once in a while, but this way works very often. And then lastly, impart that vision on people. Impart that vision through persuasion. Practice your debating skills. Be respectful, but use force of will. And then, you know, this isn't a fourth one, but remember that thing. Do not be a 450-pound person making fun of other people for being overweight. Just focus on yourself and learn from the world. Don't take that attitude of, Ugh. Oh, really? Nobody great is going to prove their point to you for the most part. They're going to say what they have to say. This guy's dead. He does not care what you think about his book. If you're able to go through this and glean three things that change your life forever, then that's great for you. So have that attitude of, ah, look for aha moments at every moment in your day. I started keeping a billboard with my staff and I'm like, guys, it's getting lopsided. Look at all the, and I put a little mark every time I had a good idea for the business. And I'm like, I want your side to have more than mine. There's no rule that I have to have all the good ideas. Be innovative. Be innovative. Read books like this. Find little innovations for your own life. All right, check it out. J.R. Simplot. Oh, by the way, here's my question for you. Uh, three questions, okay? You can answer all of them or pick one. Number one, how much money can you start putting aside for your tall, T-A-W? so that you have cash to invest when the opportunity arises. Number two, okay, what have you been short-term minded on that you need to stop that and grab hold of one thing and stick to it for a long time? Lastly, what are you gonna do? What debate are you gonna bring up around some friends, family, loved ones that you can start practicing your skills of persuasion? Write it right here on the page. If you're listening to some podcast, leave it as a review. Shoot it out to me on Twitter, at Ty Lopez. Most importantly, go to my website, tylopez.com. Join the book of the day. I read a book a day. I don't always get a chance to email every day, but I, I read a book a day and I uh, send out emails as often as I can. They're free. Uh, 1.4 million people are getting that in 40 countries. So be a part of that. It's pretty cool. Uh, not because of me, but because I'm reading good books. So these are the guys you want to learn from, not me. I'm just a messenger. So tylopez.com. I will see you soon. Thanks.